Hey, how you guys doing? It's the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to the Pretty Little Riverdale podcast, uh, presented by Brothers Comics, as we recap the CW Riverdale show. Um, now, this week, we're going to do it for the past two weeks. Um, on the line tonight, I have my two Archie podcasters. On the line is C. Talene. C. Talene, say what's happening. Hello. All right, and everybody's there. And then Cicely is on the line as well. Say what's happening. Woo-woo. That's right, yeah. Now, we didn't get a chance to the podcast last week. I was working on a project with my wife. Um, it took a lot of it of time, and it was also the Oscars. So we've actually dubbed this podcast a double digest as we're going to um, look at the last two weeks' episodes. Now, if you are an Archie reader from long back like we are, um, you know that the digest are pretty much the, where it's at, at least in terms of economics. Um, in my day, that's that's usually what I used to live off of, getting the dollar and $2 digest. Were y'all digest collectors? Uh, definitely. I would love the double digest. And as I've gotten older, the double digest has gotten thinner, um, yeah. which would always make me, I'm like, this isn't a double digest. So yeah, I love the double digest. Cicely, you were your di- double digest collector. Wasn't really much of a collector, but you know, you walk, you'd, you'd happen across it when you're in the line at the grocery store, and I'd pick up, pick one up every once in a while. Yeah, I still kind of do, even though they're super expensive now. I, I um I used to have to do chores for my grandmother to write me a dollar check to send to the Archie <laughs> people um, <laughs> to to get a digest, you know. Um, and then $2 for a double digest back in the day. So it's like, man, I see them now. It's like almost $5 for a, di- a double digest looks like a single anymore. Yeah, and, uh, seriously. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't mess with it too much. All right, so we're going to look at last week's episode first, which was called Heart of Darkness. Um, the primary plot of the this episode was the memorial for Jason Blossom, who was taken forever and a day to get that boy in the dirt. And... Um, Everything was revolving around everybody going to the Thornhill Mansion or the Thornhill Estates to say goodbye to Jason. So the first part of that was um, Cheryl is uh, mourning her brother, and there's going to be a little dinner party the night before, so she invites Veronica over for a sleepover. And it's a real creepy scene. Do you remember watching that scene, Cicely, um, about her being in Jason's room? Yeah, and you know what? I mean, I I know that there's a way to think of that in terms of twin sets, like I said in our very first podcast. Yeah, I felt bad for her. You know, you know, you just when somebody's gone and you want to go to the place and you you know maybe you've got a t-shirt or a shirt or an an article of their clothing that smells like them and you want to hold that close. And I kind of felt like she just wanted to be in a place that was so intrinsically Jason, where she felt like she was still being held by him or hugged by him or protected by him in a way. And it kind of made me, um, it humanized her a little bit. She wasn't the monster that, you know, she's been portrayed to be. She's still very much a very scared little girl who's looking for comfort. And it, it humanized her a lot for, for me. Okay. See, Um, I, I agree with Cecily. When you see Cheryl, and especially when you see more of what she's been living in her home with her parents who seem very unfeeling and the fact that it's obvious that her mother blames her for Jason's death or keeping it from them that he's left, that you could see why she would be clinging to him, to his memory in this way. 
wanting to be in his room, wanting to be around his things. So, you know, I definitely agree with Cecily. It does make us see Cheryl in a different light. She seems very fragile when she's right. at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just found it weird that when she's in the room, she's like in her, like, I guess, negligee, nighty or whatever. And even <laughs> Veronica the night before, too. Like, like I guess uh, it just kind of seemed a little bit weird. But, yeah, it did humanize her. And it also built a little, I guess they called it a frenemy relationship between Cheryl and Veronica as well. Um, For sure. And the, the Blossom parents are just awesome, awful. I mean, just quite awful people, and I'm sure that's going to continue. Um, when we do get to the memorial service, there's there's two plots going on. One is the actual memorial service. I put in the notes that Cheryl upstaged the corpse. Um, she did. Like, yeah, she's like another person wearing white to um, a wedding. Um, you know, like you really upstaged the bride by wearing that uh, since she goes in there all white in the service and um, really pisses her mom off. And she gives a great little eulogy, I thought, too. Mm-hmm. Um and then the B plot of that is um, Betty and Jughead Mars are in Jason's room looking for clues, and Nana Rose uh, comes out of nowhere. And to be honest, I don't do scary stuff, so anything that jumps out of shadows scares me. Nana Rose comes out <laughs> of shadows, scares the crap out of me, and spills all kinds of tea on actually Polly and Jason were actually engaged. What about those mm-hmm. two scenes, uh, Cecily, do you remember? I just want to, you know, give a shout out to the uh, costume designers who decided that we need something to make sure that, you know, Nana Rose is still connected to the the, the Blossom family. I know we'll give her one red streak at the front. I know. Of- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> but I love that. I love that. I love that scene because for whatever reason, I don't know if you ever read any of the um, flowers in the attic books. Uh, Girl, yes. <laughs> and she totally reminded me of the gra- the crazy grandmother in uh, Flowers mm-hmm. in the Attic. I totally love that scene. It's great. Right. Uh, um, Two things. I liked the with the whole memorial, I really liked Veronica and Cheryl together, like the whole sleepover. Veronica, you know, encouraging her to speak at the memorial. Because I thought this last week, I think that Veronica is Cheryl's first friend mm-hmm. who is like a, a girl, someone who's her true equal. Um, so I really like that they're exploring their relationship. Um, mm-hmm. When Cheryl opened that door and she walked in in that white dress and the, like it was blowing and she had the white bird cage on, I was I was loving it so much. Yeah. I was loving it. And I loved Kevin's reaction to Veronica yeah. walking in. He was all there for the drama. Um, yeah. But, you know, I just was questioning, like, what else did they have planned for this memorial? They didn't have, like, an order of service. There was no singing plan. There was no pastor there. So I don't know what they were going to do if Cheryl didn't have, like, drama 101 class anyway. So. Right. I love it. I was there for it. Yeah, you serving this up on the plate for me. Um, white people don't grieve like us. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to go okay. there for once, but you um, go on there. Yeah, I'm just saying, white folks don't grieve Where's like us. Where's the repast? Us. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, Where's uh, the pound cake gonna... and the chicken? Exactly. There ain't going to be none of that. Nobody's going to be reading from no books. No, I mean, there ain't going to be none of that. So, the fact that she came in that way was probably 
the blackest thing that she probably could have done by coming in there and upstaging that corpse. Um, so I, I thought that was a really great scene. Um, and again, Cheryl is by far the standout of this, which leads when we get to the next episode where she's persona non grata, like she's not in it at all. I don't think she's in it for a second. Um, so nope. that, that, that stunk. Um, the next title listening there I had is uh, I'm the Captain Now. As in episode five, Reggie and Archie are battling back and forth to who's going to be the captain of the Riverdale Bulldogs. Uh, they both want it. However, Archie has something else pulling at his strings and not Miss Grundy. And um, uh, it's his ability or his wanting ability to write music. And Val from the Pussycats actually sets him up with a person that's going to help him, Mr. Castillo. And Mr. Castillo's work, and I quote, uh, doesn't want to work with Archie because his music was juvenile. <laughs> and he didn't think that he could help him. What did y'all think about Archie's lack of ability to get somebody to back his music? Um, Cecily. Um, I mean, it, I'm glad somebody said it. Uh, somebody had to say it. I, I, yeah. And I hope that we get to see Raul Castillo um, more often because I just, I just love him. Um, but, yeah, it was it, – it felt – I, I, and you probably know this, too, because you spend a lot of time around kids, you know, as an educator. But, you know, I, one of the things that I noticed when I was working with, like, millennials for that very brief period of time is that they have had in their lives, it seems like, nobody to tell them the truth. When, you know, right. you are just average at this, or this mm-hmm. maybe isn't your thing. You should think about thinking of something else. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like Archie's never had anybody in his life to tell, you know what, dude, you're just kind of mediocre, and you're coasting right. And you either need to be okay with that or you need to work harder. So I I was really, really glad to see somebody really put it to Archie in that way. Like, you know, you are juvenile and I, you know, you just don't have it, son. I'm sorry. Which kind of in a way gives Archie a foil to, to, to work against because, mm-hmm. you know, we obviously Miss Grundy and he weren't really having music lessons. It's, it shows in his songwriting. Um, but, you know, it was kind of nice to finally have somebody, some adult in Riverdale somewhere to give Archie the impetus to try to work harder and to push harder because it feels like he hasn't had that anywhere in his life. Okay. Yeah, I, one of my notes was like everybody's versus Archie here, Reggie versus Archie, Mr. Casillo, and then Talent is also versus Archie because he might not yeah. actually have yeah. it. Yeah. Um, C. Talene, what did you think about Mr. Castillo crushing his dreams? Um, I have to say – Every Archie storyline just makes me yawn because I'm so bored with him, first of all. Um, I did like the shade that Mr. Castillo was throwing because he was like, um, you were tutored by Miss Grundy. I'm not going to be able to connect with you in the same way. And I was like, oh, does he know something? Does he have a reputation? But, you know, the, the only thing I was enjoying with Archie's storyline was the fact that we got to see more of Valerie. Um, yes. who I was enjoying. Um, but, you know, Archie just bores me. He bores mm-hmm. me. I don't know why he's there. I do know why he's there, actually. He is there for young teenage girls because they love to trot him out with his shirt off. That's yeah. what he's there for. But other than that, I don't care. I did like um, Reggie versus, versus Archie because they made Reggie more of a um, person this week. Mm-hmm. He showed some interest with you know, caring that Archie had hurt his hand, was, you know, encouraging him to be the captain, whatever. So they gave Reggie a little bit more dimension in this episode. So I like that. But once again, I this whole 
episode could have gone fine without Archie even being there. Yeah. I don't know why he's yeah. there. Uh, Archie is the star of a show, and nobody cares about him, um, literally. Uh, any plot that they have given him has not been great. And the funny thing is, is now I want one of his plots to really work out is this relationship or potential relationship with Valerie. Um, and mm-hmm. whoever that actress is, is great. I mean, what a great-looking kid. What a great-looking look that she has. I mean, just an absolute gorgeous kid. And I'm just like, I could work with this. And we'll talk a lot more about her when we get to the next episode. But it really worked. Even they, and even though he has no chemistry with the two people that he's supposed to have chemistry with, he had something there. And I think she was pulling it out of him, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. like pulling out that uh, some something from him that doesn't make him like this kind of just redheaded schmo. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Reggie, does, uh, Archie does win the captainship. He decides that he doesn't want to be that because he's saving that little portion of himself for his music. So Reggie becomes the captain by default. Um, mm-hmm. Putting these last two together, I got it called Parents Gone Wild. Uh, Hermione and Fred have pushed themselves together. Uh, I put snake in a box there. If somebody delivers a snake and leaves it at the chocolate shop, uh, she opens it up. She calls Fred instead of the police or animal control or anybody like that. And uh, somehow they're making some sort of love connection. How are y'all feeling about uh, Hermione and Fred? Um, C. Talene, you first this time. Um, it's predictable, of course. From the first episode, we kind of saw that undercurrent between the two of them. Um, the whole thing with the snake in the box, it was unbelievable to me that Pop would leave her to close up the shop alone. I mean, how long has she been working there? But um, <laughs> I don't know. You know slaves get the break of the weekend. You know slaves get the break of the weekend. <laughs> That's true, yes. He got a well, pass to go to Sunday service. He she did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's probably had to. He, you know what? He was probably catering the Blossom Memorial, actually, um, <laughs> wherever, wherever that was, somewhere in the deep dark holes of the basement of Thornhill Manor. He was down there slopping burgers. Um, I think I don't know if it was this episode or the next one. Is that they they showed a shot of him like as a picture on, like a like a like an eight by ten little picture on the frame or the counter or something. So okay. like cause he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't been seen in a couple of episodes now. So, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be seeing much of Pop Tate. Um, anyway, uh, Cecily, what did you think about uh, the adults here, uh, Fred and Hermione? I, I guess Riverdale um, is, you know, because the it, it seems like a city or a town out of time. Um, apparently, they don't have 911 in Riverdale. You call your, <laughs> you call your side piece when you, you know, discover a snake in the box when you're alone in the restaurant. Um, I mean, it it was plot device too, basically, and it's trying to advance the plot between Fred and Hermione. Um, But beyond that, I didn't really think that much about it, other than the fact, why why do you dumbass call police? But, you know, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, it pushes them together. It also leads to her quitting pops, you know, uh, at the chocolate shop too, where he winds up giving her a job um, at, uh, Andrew's construction or whatever it is that he does. Um, and then, like, and this will come up a lot more in episode six as well. Our other parents gone wild is primarily the, the we find out that the Blossoms and the Coopers are really the Hatfields and the McCoys. You know, there's some mm-hmm. long-standing feud mm-hmm. over maple syrup, 
um, between grandparents and whatnot. <laughs> it sounds silly when you say it. Um, it's this long-standing dispute between these two, and, and throw on top of it, it, it's the Hatfield and the McCoys, and then we get um, with Romeo and Juliet, and so now we got these two kids that are together. They don't want them to be together, and then Fred. Uh, Cooper is lying like to everybody you know when Betty first confronts him about it it's oh well you know she tried to harm herself so we sent her off there and then later on it's like you know she's just a six she's sick excuse me she's sick you know there's just all these things that he's trying to lie and Betty's starting to see through that and um, it's just you know I, I think to me it actually took Hal Cooper out of the running for who actually killed Jason Blossom uh, that's what you think. Yeah, I think it took him out, especially after episode six. But we'll get there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm not. I, I, I'm still putting my money on how. Um, you know, I think all of this other stuff is just diversionary tactic. Um, you know, I, I, my money is still on how. I, I, I'm not okay. ready to give that up yet. Okay. Cecilie. Um, I thought that the writers did something really brilliant this week by having Alice Cooper be at a conference because mm-hmm. I don't think our TV could have handled Alice Cooper and Mrs. Blossom because of the yeah. level of ratchetness. And I, also don't, <laughs> and I also don't think that Hal would have had these conversations with Betty ever if Alice had been in the same state, let alone the yeah. same yeah. house as him, yeah. because he's so like under her thumb. Um, But, you know, I felt really uncomfortable the scene where Hal was sitting in the dark watching the video of Polly as a little girl, and Mm -hmm. she's like, stop filming me, Dad. I'm like, ooh, this Mm -hmm. is kind of wrong and weird. And um, we did see Hal with the um, evidence from Kevin's house, so we're assuming that he stole it, or maybe it's a red herring and his wife actually stole it and he found it. I don't know. Um, But we do find out about the the grudge over great-grandpa being murdered, allegedly over some maple syrup fortune, blah, 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 and the whole Polly thing. And there was lots of stuff going on on Twitter about she's sick. Does that mean she's pregnant? So that was going on a lot online during this episode. Um, right. so I thought that was interesting. So yeah, and I missed a live tweet that night too. Um, I mean, again, it's a, a forbidden love story where somebody winds up dead. Uh, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't painting those like uh, picture by numbers, but it makes sense as we're going to get to that here in episode six. I mean, episode five was kind of um, of the episodes that had been coming before it. It was one that kind of really just set up episode six. You know, you didn't get a lot of reveals overall. But then episode six is going to kind of hit you over the head with a whole bunch of stuff. And so we'll spend most of our double digest here in episode six, which is called Faster Pussycat. Now, um, we'll look at, we're going to talk about Josie and the Pussycats. Um, This was probably our most, especially talking about black folks, our most colorful episode um, in terms (laughs) of um, spreading the love to other people that aren't in the, the primary Riverdale group. Um, and so we'll get to to, um, to Josie's family here in a minute. Um, so the big, the main point of the plot line is the t- Riverdale talent show. Um, Archie's trying to try out. He has extreme stage fright. And so he winds up um, getting a spot on the talent show because Veronica uses her leverage with Kevin as the MC, And 
he still has his spot, and then she says that she will play on stage with him because he can't do it by itself. All right, so now we'll deal with what this is before. Archie and Valerie are spending a lot of time together writing songs and whatever, and are we shipping this relationship? Do you like these two together? Uh, see, Talene. I don't hate it because I like Valerie. And like you said, there is some chemistry, and it makes sense um, why they're together. I think she's maybe one of only two people who don't know he was sleeping with Grundy, so I like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm fine with it, but once again, Archie is just a yawn, and how he treated her is, you know, with asking her to sing with him and mm-hmm. not, I don't know, I just felt like he wasn't treating her very respectfully, like when he was all excited that she quit the Pussycats and now she could sing with him. I just thought he wasn't being very caring as to how this could affect her and he was just being selfish. Um, but, you know, overall, I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate the ship, but I'm not 100% on board the ship. Okay, okay. Um, Cecily, you shipping this? I'm on board. Yeah, I, totally. Because I loved the um, I loved the comic where you know uh, Archie and Valerie that little uh, series where Archie and Valerie got together and they had a kid and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But so I'm totally in it. Um, I, I, I unfortunately I don't well I don't I don't dislike her as much as I like as I dislike Josie. Um, but <laughs> I think that they are a perfect I think that they're a perfect pairing because they're both kind of meh. <laughs> 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 um, I know she's. She's 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 attractive enough. She's a Vancouver girl, so you know I have mm. to give her props for that, and and not mm. say too much bad about her. But there's just, mm. I mean, they, their chemistry works because they're both kind of milk toast in my eyes. Okay. So um, I do I love I do love her voice though. I will say that she has a really really good voice, um, and I would love to hear her sing more. Right. Josie, is Josie to said she Josie said she can only sing on the bridge sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you're not gonna hear her. When I let you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Josie has uh, what is that? That lead singer disease, um, and it shows in their little meeting after that because after she's saying that uh, she can't sing on the stage with Archie when she does go to rehearsal. And by the way, is Melody gonna talk? Like. Um, at all, like I don't think she's, that she's gonna she talk. Had a she, 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 had, she had a line. She? she had one line. Okay. She, said, yeah. she said, "What's up with you, Jay?" Oh, okay. I mean, that's what she said. Did it have little, like, uh, like little musical notes in it when she spoke? I have to watch it on the <laughs> no, closed yeah, captions. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> have to watch it on the closed captions. For whatever reason, when they were doing that, when they were doing that shot, when they were walking down the hall, her mm-hmm. eyes were closed. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's interesting, too. Um, yeah, uh, it, it refers later to it, but Josie says that Archie Yoko Ono's the group. And um, <laughs> Valerie, you know, says, you know, I don't want to sing. I want to sing on more than the bridge. And I, it comes out later, too, that Valerie's the one that's writing the songs for the Pussycat. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's an invaluable part to the group. But uh, they get into this little argument, and then Valerie quits the Pussycat. And so now they have to find a new Pussycat. Now it's going to wind up being Veronica, who was going to go on stage with Archie, but when Archie found out that Valerie wasn't in Pussycats anymore, he said, hey, you know, uh, you can come on stage with me and sing the song that we helped write together, which pissed off Veronica. So Veronica now joins the Pussycats. I was, it was such a head-turning, uh, like, event of things, like, so quickly. I was like, what? And then they're walking down the hall, 
in slow motion, you know, and I'm just like, all right, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was just <laughs> sure, so quick. It, yeah, yeah, it was just so quick, and I'm like, well, you know, it's, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking that's not going to hold, even if it holds through this episode, it's not going to hold long term. But it was kind of we- nice to see, you know, Veronica in the in the in the cat ears. What y'all think about Veronica's brief moment in the Pussycat? Listen, Sizzling, I'll make you go first. Um, I, I mean, it was it was again, it was just another way to just sort of advance the plot. Um, mm. I thought it was really interesting with Sierra saying, you know, um, find somebody who's um, a woman of color because we have to keep to our brand, um, yes. which kind of made me wonder, um, you know, I think Josie is really just is driven, is being more driven by her mother necessarily than her father. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if, you know, um, is Sierra's push about all of this, is her looking at this as a way to get out from underneath that marriage for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I, I love the montage of them walking down the hall um, to, you know, whatever, despite the fact that Melody's eyes were closed while they were walking down the hall. Um, it was that kind of a, it was that kind of bitch move that, you know, when you see with like teenage girls where, um, you know, one person's been deposed from their post, whether it's the queen bee of the school or whether it's, you know, somebody stole somebody's boyfriend and now they're parading it around. Um, so the slow-mo added a nice touch. Um, mm-hmm. As far as, I don't, I mean, Veronica, she said she sang like a nightingale. I didn't expect, when she said she sang like a nightingale, I didn't expect her voice to be that low. So that was a little, right. um, a little you know, that, that was kind of a little bit surprising. But um, does she really bring anything to the Pussycats? Is this going to be a permanent thing? That's my question. Because that really wasn't oh. resolved at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But it was entertaining enough. I thought when Archie said that to Veronica that this was actually going to be maybe the formation of the Archies, you know, where he's got one, Uh, she joins the group, mm -hmm. and you know what I mean? Like, and gather other people and maybe other characters to be in the Archies, but that didn't work out so quickly. Um, uh, Cetaline, what did you think about the slow walk down the hallway? It was was a mean girl shot for sure, walking down the hallway with him. It was. I thought I liked the slow motion. I liked the shot. I felt so bad for Valerie because when she saw them walking, I kind of thought maybe Valerie thought she was just going to break up with the va- the band for the, the variety show and then she'd talk her way back in the group somehow. Mm-hmm. But then here's yeah. Veronica and she was disappointed because she's been replaced. Um, right. But, you know, I think that some watchers were probably maybe shocked when um, – Robin Givens said, get a person of color, and then Veronica showed up, and they were like, wait, Veronica's a person of color? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but not Technically, only did yeah. Veronica, not only did Veronica say she sang like a nightingale, she also compared herself to Beyonce, which yeah. I don't yeah, know, I know if people heard that. I was like, ooh, <laughs> okay, you're going to get the right. beehive up after you with this. But I don't, I don't think Veronica, when I saw her up there just swaying with the microphone, mm-hmm. I was like, she's, this seems so weird and out of place. You know, mm-hmm. she can't play an instrument. She's really just doing backup over there with her pussy right. cat tail. Um, yeah, so they should like, Go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I just don't think she's going to stay in the pussycats. There's no way. And I kind of felt bad for her because Archie kicks her to the curb and basically, when Josie accepted Valerie back, you know that Veronica was going to be kicked to the curb too. So it's like, yeah, oh, for sure. poor Veronica. 
Well, they could have, should have gave her the melody tambourine so she could stand there and play a tambourine <laughs> or something. Oh, yeah, that would have been That would have worked. Yeah, yeah, she was um, just kind of standing there holding nothing except the microphone. Yeah. And that was weird. Uh, I, I put that under in one of the, the subtopics there, the pussycat problem. You know, we went through Val and Archie and the and her and her leaving the pussycats. I put it down there as yes that Robin Givens as Mayor McCoy is playing Mama Knowles. Like she's picking who's <laughs> going to be in Destiny's Town. And you know, if you don't get to make the cut, I'm pretty sure Veronica is going. Whatever that lady that got kicked out of Destiny's Town, she's about to get that probably in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Veronica's mm-hmm. gonna get kicked out. She's gonna be the fourth member of Destiny's Town that got removed from the group. Um, so, but I did like that that line, like you know, don't find you know find somebody pretty and young and cute and a person of color, but not as cute as you or not as pretty as you. Um, it was I, a I really thin. It was thin, thin and pretty. Yes, yeah, thin. Yeah. So I, I thought but that was didn't really. You think, didn't you think the dad? I thought the dad was worse than yeah the mom. Like oh, for a sure. hundred times worse. Right. Yeah, a thousand times. I, I agree. Uh, I love <laughs> yeah, the smiles though. Yeah. Well, well you, know, you, got you know, the writer's room, they're like, what's a jazz singer? Hmm. <laughs> Branford? No, that's too on the nose. Let's go with Miles. Yeah. Miles. <laughs> well, and he had the, the hat game going. The only thing he was missing was, like, the, you know, the pencil-shaved goatee. Um, and he did have I a like, soul just, patch, though. He did have the soul yeah. patch. Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I thought that that was, you know, kind of a nice little nod. I liked his little nod about gentrification uh, after mm-hmm. um, Fred's little pitch. And, uh, you know, and the little nod to, like, oh, she's named after Josephine Baker, you know, and, like, you don't even know who that is, do you? <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, he's so mean. But, yeah, yeah that's was. funny, too. Yeah, I, I, I like thought that the worst thing too. was him walking out of Josie's performance before yeah. she was done. God, that was so brutal. Oh, yeah, and it unglued her completely. And it unglued her completely. And again, maybe we are going to see something with Josie and her family that we can unpack that story. I mean, it seems like they're going to give us mm-hmm. something, and I hope that's the case. You know, that we do get a chance to see what's going on with them. And again, I know for a fact that we're going to wind up seeing West McCauley get drug out in handcuffs. And mm-hmm. uh, Robin Gibbs is definitely getting drug out in handcuffs at some point. But, like, you know, where does that leave their relationship with the dad? Because obviously there's some sort of relationship between the dad and Valerie. Because Valerie, you know, he know when he found out that Valerie had left the group, you know, he was like, she's indispensable. You know, because mm-hmm. I guess of her my, ability to write the song. Here's my theory. He's Valerie's real father. I Ooh. agree. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm on board. He said she. She. He said she gives the group some at some much needed dimension. Mm. I was like, oh, the shade. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it, and you know, and it did sound like that. You know, uh, Mayor. I keep calling her Mayor Gibbons. Mayor McCoy <laughs> is doesn't seem very happy. Uh, it, you know, so she's. I'm gonna get blamed somehow for this. Um. So you know, you better fix it before your father gets here. And um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and like I said, it totally unglued uh, Josie when he left, completely. So she was barely able to get through there. It was kind of weird that they picked a Donna Summer song to, like, do. Did you find that weird? I, I, well, at least it wasn't that. Love to Love You, Baby. You know, that was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> we're doing that one. That's horrible. 
Yeah, but it was just I, I'm just upset with them because the first episode she said we only play our original songs, and I don't yeah. think they've played one original song. Everything Agreed. is in covers. Yeah, and they, they, was the the thing that she was singing in rehearsal was that supposed to be an original song? I think Valerie wrote that song, but that wasn't even what they performed for the variety yeah. show. Mm. Yeah, and we jumped ahead in my notes here a little bit. I, I didn't have it in the notes, but when Valerie does go back and um, to rejoin, and she meets her like in the in backstage or whatever, the the product placement for the whatever lashes by. <laughs> was so awful. It was worse than the red <laughs> lipstick one that they did a couple of weeks ago. It was so bad. I was like, y'all need to stop, Maybelline. <laughs> really, really need to stop. I mean, because that is just awful. Oh, I'm sorry. You know they got to so do better She was putting her mascara on, and I was watching so hard because I have the worst time putting my mascara on without, like, poking myself in the eye. <laughs> and then when they did, like, the up-close product page, placement, I was like, oh, maybe I need to buy that. Maybe that'll help me with my mascara problem. <laughs> so it works, is what you're saying. It's basically like, it works for me. Okay. Yeah, I was just, I was like, oh my gosh, y'all need to stop that. It's so bad. Um, it was horrible, it, though. Yeah, well, I was going to do my rendition of Secret Lovers for Fred and Hermione here. Um, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> no, nah, I, I don't think I can do that one. We need more alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Atlantic Star? I was thinking of it. Yeah, it is. Okay, it is is Atlantic Star. Okay. Uh, If y'all are under the age of 30 listening to this podcast, uh, Google Atlantic Star. Um, (laughs) uh, Great song and a little great group there, too, from the 80s. All right. So Fred and Harmony are secret lovers, uh, so they think that they're being in secret. But as they're going over the books, that's what the kids are calling it now. As the kids are going (laughs) over the books, uh, they wind up sharing a kiss in the construction shed, uh, and they're thinking it's going to be a secret kiss, but it's not. Um, it's of course not. Season. It's right by the window. Jeez. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all the more reason that obviously neither one of them has played this game before. So, you know, they, they're doing it straight out in the open and nobody without any thought of the repercussions that would come from it. Veronica sees it, and then she – I think – does she check Archie first, or does she check – uh, um, her mom about it first. Which one does she confront first? I can't mm. remember. I think she, um, I think her mom first, and then she got okay. mad and went to the rehearsal. Yeah, you're right. Okay. She even says later, "I was mad at my mom, and I took it out on you." Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So he, she does check her mom about it, and basically, like, all right. So when Dad gets out of jail, are y'all getting a divorce or something? And mm. I mean, she I mean, she really lays it out like a teenager probably would. Like, are uh, y'all getting a divorce? Then what are you doing? He's married. You're married. Like, I don't understand this. And I thought it actually was a good scene for Veronica in that sense. Um, and, like, Hermione's answers were like, we really <laughs> didn't really make any sense. She was like, well, um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, she really had no real answer for it. <laughs> no, she and didn't. And, you know, whereas Archie, when Fred tells him about it, or, you know, he talks about he's thinking about dating or whatever, he's like, you know, cool, Dad. That's awesome. You know, go right ahead. He's like, well, your mother. He's like, whatever, man. Like, it's not a big deal. And I'm thinking to myself, he's like, hey, man, I've been fucking my teacher. So whatever you're doing. <laughs> oh, God. So, whatever you doing, you still can't hold a candle to me, Fred. So um, nothing. So 
But the, there was this little pause when he was talking to his dad, and, you know, he's like, you know, you're good, Hermione's good, and he said, I'm good. And it's like, Archie's still not all right. And no, Fred is like, like all the other parents in Riverdale, but he's like the least observant person in the whole world. Like, what is I, obviously he's pre, he's preoccupied, but like come on, man! It's obvious your son needs therapy, and he reached out to you, but you're just not reaching back. Wake up! Right? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> I just thought I just thought it was really kind of weird, like his reaction to it, and then Veronica's was over the, and it wasn't even over the top. I mean, she was kind of rational about it, but yeah. It, but it's still like her mom didn't really have any real answers for it, you know. And I'm kind of you know we're gonna see Hiram Lodge before the end of the season. Like he's gonna pop uh-huh. up probably in the in the finale or whatever. And I'm, one, I'm curious. He still hasn't been cast keep... yet. This is what's no, so interesting. Okay, yeah, because he's got you would think whether it's hiding it on the IMDb or whatever. But at one, I'm curious as to you know what what shade of Latino man are we gonna get here? I'm very curious of that, and or if it is what will be at all. And then two, you know, you know, are they going to cast him as this, you know, older gentleman, you know, that sugar dattering this little family here together, mm-hmm. or you know, you're going to have a likewise aged person or whatever? So I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. Um, a part of that other thing with Fred and Hermione is that Fred's company is not exactly doing well. Um, they are uh, kind of broke, and what he was hoping to do was get the the construction contract for the old drive-in theater that's being demolished. Now, we know there's something going on with Mayor McCoy and the Lodges and the Serpents about that uh, uh, that land. Um, and so that leads to this scene where it is revealed where Veronica is actually a, a co-chair to the Lodge Industries or whatever, and anything that gets done with construction, <laughs> I know anything that gets cut, done with construction business has to be co-signed by two, uh, two heads of the company, which would be her and her mom. Uh, what did y'all think about that before we get to her forging the signature? What did y'all think about Veronica being a co-person of Lodge Industries? Can I go first? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, first of all, Fred is a horrible businessman because Hermione tells him, you have three weeks left of payroll. And then in the next scene after he kisses her, he tells Archie, I just bought tickets to the variety show for all the guys. I'm like, is this really a necessary expenditure? And she's like, what are you thinking, sir? So that was, irrit- that was irritating me. Number two, who makes a 15-year-old a, a part of your company? Is that even legal that right. she can sign documents That's of Donald this Trump. nature? You invoked it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so that was my second thing. And then the whole, you know, her, I felt like Hermione in that scene where Veronica tells her, I'm not going to sign the document. And she slowly mm-hmm. turns around and forges her signature. What mm-hmm. she was thinking was, girl, you're going to learn. I'm going to get my way, whether you like it or not, as she was right. signing her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to learn today. Um, you gonna learn. Yeah, yeah you're going to learn today. What did you think about that, uh, Cecily, that whole scene setting that up for Veronica being revealed to be a co-heir of the company? It actually did really make me think about the Trumps and the way that they have been, uh, I mean, not to inject uh, politics into the world of Riverdale, but, you know, we can't help it. Um, right. 
But yeah, it really did. It made me think about the way that the Trumps have, uh, or, or have allegedly signed over control of all of Donald's businesses to his son. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how when you have enough money and you have enough power, um, you can get away with doing something like that. Um, the one thing that I, I, <laughs> I zeroed in um, when she was forging the signatures, um, I was like, A, she knows how to write like a teenage girl. B, I was, disappointed. <laughs> I was really disappointed that she didn't dot her eyes with a little heart. Your heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have made a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so uh, as a part of her signing that, uh, Fred gave his little pitch at the, I, I called it Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. He gave his little pitch mm-hmm. to Mayor McCoy, and she decided, you know what, I think this is a good idea to have you do it, and that's how it wound up getting to that point. Um, I think I think this plot is, device is going to play out a lot. For some reason, there's going to be something that's going on with that land. Um, mm-hmm. That's where the movie theater was or the drive-in was. I don't know why, but I think that's something about that land that's going to keep coming up. Um, well, they're probably going to find Polly there or something. Or something. Oh, well, and the fact that um, Hermione said that Hiram wanted to go with a different company that was a little bit shady, I think the fact that they're getting stiffed with mm-hmm. this, you know, with um, with Fred getting the contract now might come up as well because mm-hmm. who knows what Hiram was planning to do or what he owed those people or was it a favor or something. So that can definitely blow up in their faces. Right. Yeah. All right, so the other main plot that was going down besides the talent show was um, Betty and Jughead Mars uh, doing their investigative work, starting off with this little awkward breakfast at the Cooper household in the morning. And with uh, Alice Cooper, every time she's saying Jughead's name, saying it with such disdain, Jug. Jughead. Yes, it was very... (laughs) It was very interesting uh, that she kept doing that. But basically, they're trying to get some information to try to find Polly. And they get, uh, this is kind of funny, too, they get out her checkbook. And yeah, uh, uh, Google it, young people. They get out the checkbook <laughs> and look at the register on the checkbook <laughs> to see where she's actually written checks to. And um, they see, like, this, I mean, I can't remember the name for it, but the sister of whatever, uh, home for disturbed children, um, and they find okay. Well, let's see where this is, and they Google it, or I think it was called Sleuther, uh, the search <laughs> engine. <laughs> they went on Sleuther and found where she was, and they make a visit out to see her. Now, um, it was kind of weird. Like they came out to see her as a visitor, and you would think that Alice Cooper would have been like, "Hey, nobody can come and see her. She has to be, you know, by herself." But mm-hmm. Betty's able to just walk right in, you know, no big deal. And, you know, Jughead couldn't make it in, but she goes out. And now we get all the reveals for, for uh, Polly. Now, I remember, uh, uh, Cecily, you had put online, like, what a bad actress she was. <laughs> Polly was. She's terrible. You want to go ahead, yeah, go ahead and go in on Polly. Go ahead, go in on uh, I don't know. I mean, the way that I talk about this show, everybody, anybody who listens will think that I hate it. And I don't. I just... I want them to have better people on the show. And I, and I know that because they're filming in Canada, they have to have a certain percentage of people on the cast um, who are Canadian. But, like, okay. Arrow gets good people. Um, mm-hmm. 
the Flash gets good people. <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow gets good people. Maybe there's right. just aren't enough people to go around. Supergirl. Wow. Um, so it's she. I, I I know that the, the the probably the direction that she got was to try to you know have this sense of innocence about Polly to um, you know portray her as the the positive um, you know big sister who's still very you know she's the golden girl even though she's in these uh, really really kind of sketchy circumstances but she just I don't know there's just something about the way that she was playing her that made me wonder if she was all right and and, and obviously she's not. And obviously right. nobody in that family is all right because during that scene, um, mm-hmm. like Betty couldn't even say the word pregnant until the the scene was almost over. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. It was just uh, I don't uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it it there's just something about that actress um, that was weird to me. And and another little detail that I kind of kept um, noticing during that scene, it's like her eyes green or her eyes blue. And then I looked at Betty and I'm like, but wait a minute, her eyes look green too. So what's going on there? I I don't know. She just, she didn't wow me. I know that Polly is supposed to be, um, this troubled teen and she's supposed to be a little unstable. Um, uh, there's just something about the way that she was playing her. If she was aiming for fragility, but what she got instead was flightiness, and that didn't give the the kind of weight I think that the character. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the the scene is a lot emotionally to play off of each other, and the information that she has is a lot too. And it did come off kind of, um, you know, a little hokey, I guess. Um, what did you think about the scene, Cetaline? Uh, um, as far as the acting goes, there wasn't much depth. It felt like she was not seasoned in her craft, let's put it nicely. But um, what she was um, trying to portray to us as the viewer was this was her reality, but the more she was talking to Betty, the more what she was saying seemed to kind of fall apart. Um, mm-hmm. When she was asking Betty to break her out, when she still thought Jason was alive, um, when she she said this line about, see, I still remember this, I remember this. So it's like she knows something is wrong with her, mm-hmm. but we don't really know what it is. I don't her know. Her parents are poisoning her. I don't know. It could be she's drugged up, and then I thought they wouldn't give her anything too strong because she is pregnant. And it also made me wonder if Hal even knows if she's pregnant because in the Mm -hmm. scene when she's taken from the house, Alice is there, but Hal isn't there. And Hal just said she was sick and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. So I wonder if he even knows that she's pregnant with Jason's child. Um, it brought up a, a lot, for, a lot more questions than mm. than we got answers to. I mean, and I you know what? How, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, the question that I had was that she was the way that she was describing what happened on the morning of July 4th. Did I miss something? Where was Betty on July 4th? Do we know? I don't know. She uh, was away all summer. She was way oh, she summer. was away all summer. Okay, well, then that answers the question because I was like, if she's really making this much racket getting out of the house, wh- why didn't Betty hear it? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can – and thinking about what you just said, you could put Hal Cooper back on the possible murder list. But yeah. except for when they go back to the house after Alice 
um, I'm jumping ahead here, but after Alice says, hey, um, you know, because they do tell her, like, hey, you know, she was pregnant or whatever when they have this conversation at the house when they're talking to Betty about it. And when she's like, what are you, Hal's like, what are you saying? What do you think that I did? It was like, you know, thinking that he killed him. And Alice laughs him off like he was nothing. I mean, really freaking uh, just drag me. Like, you think he has the guts for this? Him? <laughs> that was great. Like, I love that. Yeah. I mean, she undressed <laughs> him completely verbally and, you know, really kind of put him down. So I was like, well, it's definitely not him. If anybody, he would have killed her. And um, so I, I thought, you know, I, you could put him on the list, but he's also, you know, like, hey, you know, you got my daughter pregnant. You're going to do the right thing. And, you know, and he could have, you know, lost his temper or whatever and killed him. But uh, I that that scene held a lot to it. Like, there was so much going on, like, you know, and then Betty not Betty telling her that he was dead. Like, I was like, I don't know if that's the greatest decision right now. You just found out that she was pregnant. She's obviously in an emotional state. I'm not sure if dropping that bomb on there was the way to go. Um, and, you know, when it gets to the final scene or whatever, we see what it actually does to her. Um, but, yeah, I, I, um, I thought – I mean, I, I, the acting was really bad, but I thought overall that, you know, that scene really moved a good portion of the show from getting stagnant to, like, you know, now oh, we don't have sure. to wait so many episodes to figure out what had happened. Like, now that's a big plot reveal to know that she was pregnant, that she was on her way to Sweetwater River, her and Jason were about to run off together. Like, that's a lot. But in skipping that, let, let, you know what, let's deal with this first. What are we thinking about the the kiss between Betty and Jughead? Or we could we do we want to ship that? No. Um, <laughs> you say no? No. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead, Cecily. Why are you saying no? I just you know, I they're so when after what's his name? Um uh Chip Zdarsky, After mm-hmm. he said back in I guess it was twenty fifteen now that um Jughead being um asexual uh, you know, he, that Jughead's always been asexual. It's just that they've never mm-hmm. really had the word for it or something to that extent. Right. Um, I, was, I was really concerned about how, you know, the Tumblr generation, as I call them, somewhat derisively, um, mm-hmm. were going to take this because there's so many people um, who are, you know, of the, the younger generation who have put so much emotional weight on the fact that, Jughead is asexual and that they're, they had so much hope that he was going to make it into the show that I felt mm. bad for them in that moment. Um, right. And even though um, um, Cole Sprouse and um, I forgot what her name is, sorry, um, the actress who plays Betty, they, they, they do work well together. Like they, the way that they look at each other and they, they, they already have secrets, that's great. But I, just, mm. I, I wish that there had been a way that they could have worked this into uh, Jughead's asexuality into the storyline. I did read a really interesting piece in Vulture that was written by somebody who's asexual, uh, an older, somewhat older asexual person who was saying that, you know, um, coming out narratives around being gay, uh, being lesbian, being bisexual, those have all been done before, and those narratives have always been really, really helpful. But there never really have been any coming out narratives around people who discover that they're asexual. And so... Mm -hmm. This is just an attempt. It could just be read as an attempt that, you know, this is Jughead's finding his way. Maybe he feels like that was something that was expected for him to do because he felt this connection with Betty. But over time, as the series goes on, if it continues to go on, maybe there'll be an opportunity for him to 
uh, follow that a little bit. And I kind of hope that that's really the way that the show will go because I think in terms of trying to find more acceptance of asexuality and aromanticism as, um, you know, an orientation, uh, they mm-hmm. do need those kind of coming out narratives for people to become more familiar with it. So I'm not down with this. I, I, I would love to see them just like blow this into the rings or just them just deciding, you know, what, we're just going to be friends. Um, but yeah, I'm not down with this at all. Okay. Cetaline. Well, I have to say that I made a Twitter friend upset this week. Sorry, at Jughead <laughs> Jonesing. That's her Twitter handle. Because she was complaining about this ship, and I told her I ship it. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I have to say, last week it started with me because there was this scene last week when um, Jughead was in Betty's room when he had on the suit for the memorial. And she kind of turned around, and she Mm -hmm. gave him that, like, oh, you look good, Mm -hmm. look. And then he kind of smirked, and I'm like, are they going here with Jughead? And Mm -hmm. I was... At first, like you, Cecily, thinking this is not Jughead. This doesn't ring true. This is not how Jughead is. But then I just decided to, you know, give that away because they've basically changed everyone's persona on this show. Um, And so that was the only way that I was able to ship it because um, in my mind, like I've said before, we're in an alternative universe where everything we know about these characters no longer exists. We're in the multiverse. So, yeah. I mean, this week, like you said, Cecily, they've done a really good job about like the glances, um, the looks, the um, last episode when Betty went on the date with Trev. We didn't mm-hmm. talk about that. Um, yeah. Jughead was, he looked a little bit jealous for a second. Mm-hmm. I was like, and I was like, put off. I'm like, Jughead doesn't get jealous. Exactly. But, you know, this is where they're going with it. And if I give up everything I know about Jughead, I'm okay with the ship. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had read somewhere that Cole Sprouse had wanted them to work in the asexuality into the character. So yeah. when I saw that happen, I was like, well, either he didn't get what he wanted or, um, I mean, remember, we are dealing in the Berlanti verse here where putting people together is kind of what he does. And so to have two characters that are working together consistently and all the time for them not to be together in a Berlanti thing would be kind of not Berlanti. So, um, but it was shocking when it happened too. I remember the little look too with the suit thing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then when they go full, like kiss to each other, I was just like, oh, wow, really? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. what? And so they it, just, it kind of took. Look when they, oh, sorry, you go ahead. No, it just it just took me by surprise. That's all. I mean, it just it was like I wasn't expecting that at all. I'm, I'm not sure if I want to ship it or not. To be honest with you, um, they, it's, it's they a little shared too soon. a little. They shared a look um, when they were um, sitting outside at Riverdale High mm-hmm. during lunch, yeah. and um, yeah. they were trying you know, to convince Archie why they didn't want him to come along. Um, right. So I mean, you know, like I, I don't know. But but my question is, where is Jughead living these days? Yeah, I'm I, assuming yeah. he's living in the in the blue and gold office. Oh, okay. Yeah, at the school. That's what and I'm nobody's, assuming. There's no adult supervising that place, so might as well. Um. I know they have <laughs> this huge murder board up in the middle yeah. of the newspaper office, and no adult has walked by and said, "Um, no. what is this?" 
<laughs> nobody's nobody's walking in there at all. Uh, it's hilarious. Again, as an as an educator, uh, I would never leave two high school students alone for anything, uh, let alone with a murder board in there. But anyway, no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so weird. Um, so yeah, so uh, they they reveal all this information. Betty confronts her parents about it. Uh, they tell her to leave it alone. I wrote in my other notes, not on the ones that I the the outline I sent y'all. Like Fred was like, um, she's not crazy. Or Betty's like, she's not crazy. Fred's like, no, she is crazy. No, for real. Like she's crazy. <laughs> I was like, well, I've never heard a parent say that before. Like a I said the same like, thing. I'm like, what yeah. parent talks about their kid this way? Yeah. Like I mean, you could be like, no, she has some issues. She's got some concerns. She's got some problems. I ain't never heard a parent say their kid is crazy before. Um, mm. But yeah. So I mean, and that's pretty much it. The, it, the episode ends on. Um, them going back out to uh, to break her out, and Polly has broken herself out of the asylum. But first, well, they did they find actually, the car. Yeah, that's what I was going. They they did find the car that um, Trevor had given her this information. Or no, excuse me, Polly had given her this information about they had had a car set up on the other side of the river, and if you, if they could find the car, they'd find some evidence. Once they get to the car, they find a bunch of Jason stuff in there. Uh, they also find some drugs. Uh, Jughead takes some pictures of it, uh, but somebody sees them doing like whatever they're doing. Um, and this is also information about Trevor as well, who went on a date, air quotation marks with Betty, but basically for her to interrogate him. And also about Jason possibly selling drugs or selling off all this stuff to get money. Um, so the car winds up getting burnt up. And when they go back out there to take Officer Keller um, to see it, but everything, the car is on fire at that point. I'm not sure why they didn't call him, stand by the car, and wait for him to come, but whatever. Um, and, yes, when they go back out to the to the asylum, uh, Polly has broken free. Um, any of those two uh, points there, anything stand out for you on either of those two, uh, Um, It makes me it, – it helped me change who I thought killed Jason, the reveal oh, of the car. We're getting to that. Yeah. We're getting to that. Yeah, I'm not going to say uh, anything. And then okay. um, the – when they show the window that Polly broke out of, oh yeah. God, it's like there's no way in hell she could have broke that glass. You know, it's like double-pane glass, and they show yeah. there was some blood on the outside of the glass, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. It was just, mm, like, she's and not her, that crazy. And her room also was not on the first floor, so she really had to jump out of it and do a mm-hmm. talk and roll to the bottom of the ground. <laughs> get up and go, uh, but that's okay. Uh, Cecily, any of those two scenes as it wrapped up? Um, not so much that scene uh, of her escaping. Um, there's, there's, There was a weird shot, though, when they were looking, filming up at the window from the outside. Like, there's something in the ceiling. Like, there's holes or something in the ceiling. And I don't, I mean, the, the building, I think the building that they filmed that used to be was actually um, a mental asylum um, oh, that okay. closed. Um, it's outside. It's outside of Vancouver proper, and it closed a few, um, oh, a couple, like a decade or so or more ago. But mm-hmm. they have a, quite the resurgence in being uh, locations for scary places um, mm-hmm. for shows that film in Vancouver. But like, I was just trying to figure out: was that supposed to be something important? Because mm-hmm. it was noticeable. It was really noticeable. It was like these dark holes and a white ceiling. Um, but mm-hmm. I want to kind of back up the thing that got me, and I'm so disappointed that nobody else caught this when. Jughead 
goes to Betty's house and goes and in, climbs into her bedroom window. The he ladder. made a not not the ladder. He made a joke about the yellow wallpaper. He's like, "Have you have you yellow wallpapered out yet?" And I just howled because I don't know if anybody. I'm like, first of all, he's insufferable. We know this, but he's he's not only insufferable in that he you know he thinks he's going to be the next Truman Capote, but that he actually knows what the yellow wallpaper is. Um, the yellow wallpaper is his book that was written like at the end of the 19th century. I'm not this oh. woman. It was, it's oh, considered okay. to be one of the first, one of the earliest feminist novels. Um, and this mm. woman is locked in a room with yellow wallpaper um, by her husband, who um, whose doctor told him to do it. And he thought that he was doing it, quote, unquote, for her best interest. Um, and she starts going, you know, insane little bit by mm. little bit. And so just for them to just work that into the story, oh, my God, this show is my favorite show now. Because oh, wow. okay. it's, those, it's, those little, it's those little references that nobody, nobody in their right mind will get, especially no teenagers, but they just right. put them in there. And then it's just like, oh, my God, I love it. I can't believe it. <laughs> and all of the recaps that I've read so far, nobody else has mentioned it. I'm really wow. disappointed. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, I mean, I'm learning something there. I didn't know that at all. So, I mean, so you, definitely just, taught you me just won the day. You just wanted yeah, it successfully. Absolutely. Uh, I've always said the the best jokes are jokes that only three or four people understand. Those are the best jokes. And so anything that comes out like that and only a you and a couple of other people caught, that is the best feeling in the world. Okay. So that's awesome. All right. So let's get to who killed Jason, who, who's on your murder board now. Um, I did change mine. I, I took Hal Cooper kind of off of mine. Um, a little bit, uh, but I, I got a re- I got a weird one, so I'll go last. Uh, so, Cetaline, who's on your murder board? Oh, you have me intrigued with yours. Okay, I'm still yeah, going with the I'm still mm-hmm. going with the blossoms. I'm still going to go with the blossoms, but now mm-hmm. I think that the murderer is um, going to be Jughead's dad because of the drug mm-hmm. connection. I okay. think that he was supplying Jason with drugs, and that Jason double crossed him and stole those drugs from him. And um, someone is now after, I'm just going to call him Skeet, now after Skeet because of the missing drugs, and that's why he was stealing from Fred Andrews and got fired. He caught Jason. He held him hostage, trying to tell him, get him to tell him where the drugs were. Jason wouldn't because he was worried about Polly. And then Joaquin showed up and said, hey, you can't hold Jason. He goes to my high school. And they fought Mm. over the gun, and then Skeet accidentally shot him in the head. Okay. That's exactly what happened. All right. <laughs> uh, Cecily, who's at the top of your motor board? I'm trying to figure out how you accidentally shoot somebody perfectly right in the middle of their forehead. But, okay. <laughs> hey, this um, is Riverdale. This is yeah. Riverdale. It, it all yeah. happens. Yeah, magic bullet. You know, I'm, I'm not ready to let go of Hal yet. Although, I, I, I guess, you know, I was thinking as Cecily as was talking about this, um, the the thing about the serpents being involved, um, wouldn't it be a nice little twist as they're setting up this story between Kevin and Joaquin mm. that Joaquin was the one who was, um, was you know involved somehow, or that he was the one who actually shot Jason? Maybe that was his initiation into the South Side Ooh. Serpents. Maybe this was mm. the thing that you know made them want to look the other way. That there there's a gay guy in the South High South Side Serpents that. You know, he mm-hmm. had to prove that he was down with everybody by taking somebody out. Um, mm. So, you know, maybe I'll add Joaquin to my list, my, my very mm. short list. But, yeah, I can't let go of Hal. I just can't. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, my curveball is going to be, I think the murderer is actually Miss Grundy. Um, <gasps> because we know that there is some sort of connection between her and Jason. And mm-hmm. now with the revelation that Wetchum, uh, Polly was pregnant, there's a possibility that when Grundy found out about this information, that it might have sent her into a rage of some sort, knowing because she's obviously unstable, and it might have mm-hmm. sent her into some sort of uh, spiral, and mm-hmm. she is the one that winds up shooting him. And I don't know how that's mm-hmm. going to be connected to the drugs in the car or anything like that, but I, I don't know why. I know we're not done with seeing Geraldine. And no, we're not. I know she will be back. And I just kind of, and, you know, thinking about who's going to kill it, whoever does it, and if this thing gets a season two, it's going to have to be somebody that they can, you know, easily dispose of and nobody's going to, you know, care about. It just has to be somebody that kill. you know, if the killer has to, nobody's going to miss in season two. And I think yeah. they will have used her all up at that point and they could use uh, Grundy as the killer. Um, so she's on the top of my list at this point. Um, I'm not sure I have any real validity to that, but something about Geraldine has kind of got me thinking about her again. Mm-hmm. All right. I can um, support that. She was on my list for a couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. People of color this week. Um, we didn't really talk much about Trevor. It's kind of funny. I, my daughter was reading the – started reading the Wade books, and she was, like, digging through my long boxes. And she found them, and I was like, you know, she found like 13 or 14 first. I'm like, you really need to start at the beginning. And so she's sitting there eating dinner, reading it, and then I'm like, let me look at this before we talk tonight. And then I was like, oh, there's Trevor right there. He's in like the the second issue of the Wade book um, uh, as a as a, a romantic interest for Betty after the lipstick. Oh, that's right. That is right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Um, I was like, oh, okay, you know, but I mean, they didn't really give him much to do other than just snitch be jealous so yeah well I mean, oh, i'm thinking things. about in the weight book he was a little bit jealous of yeah yeah no, really yeah with Archie. yeah but he just snitched in this like you know completely i was like golly dude i'm just gonna tell all of his secrets and that he's dead i guess it didn't matter but he kind of snitched everything out um who else did we have uh that was new um and then uh Josie's dad, who uh, I, I I could probably watch a series of him being shady to like gentrifiers all over the place. Like, <laughs> I could watch twenty, I could watch him twenty minutes of just shading people for all their materialistic uh, uh, possessions and goals. I could probably watch twenty minutes of that easily every week. Uh, did I miss anybody, or who'd you think? What'd you think of those two? Mm-hmm. Lee. <laughs> I was. I was I was glad that Miles wasn't incarcerated because we had predicted uh, that he was in jail. That's um, true. That's true. So it makes sense that he's a musician. It makes sense that, you know, this is why Josie has all of this pressure put upon her by, um, you know, this dad with high expectations. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to see him again because he's on his jazz tour. But like yeah. you said, I would like for him to come back. I like for him. I like to see him put um, Robin Givens in check. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't we I all? I think that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't we all? Uh, Cecily, and did we miss anybody besides Miles and um, and what's his name again? Well, Valerie Trevor? and all. You know, because there was this was a very you know people of color heavy episode. So yes, it uh, was. 
Uh, I liked Miles. Um, my my theory is that, um, you know, when uh, Sir Sierra was talking about their branding, and I know I mentioned this a little bit earlier, that, mm. um, you know, they, they obviously have conflicting uh, ideas about where Josie should be, um, how her career should be shaped. But I'm thinking mm. that, you know, there's something there, his bitterness, it's not rage. It's not like maybe there's a little bit of a, a, a slight controlled rage, but there's something mm. between him and Sierra that is showing that not everything is all right. And she, Sierra mm. did make a comment about, you know, sometimes, you know, when somebody was saying the, I think it was Miles who said that the balance, the battle was between art and commerce. The, you mm-hmm. know, the yeah. there, mm-hmm. battle was between art and commerce. Um, and she said something to the effect that, you know, um, sometimes you just need to, you know, suck it up and do, you know, What she was was really saying was, you need to grow your ass up and get a real job. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it made me wonder if that, um, you know, the reason why Josie is seeming so driven is because the pressure isn't necessarily coming from her father. She wants her father's approval, like most girls do, but the pressure is really coming from her mother because I think her mother is looking at Josie's ascendancy um, uh, as a way of getting away from him. Like she's a mayor of this small town, so she doesn't have any money. And of course she's a municipal employee, so she's not making a lot of money. Um, So maybe Josie is her her meal ticket. Maybe Josie is her way out. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's pushing her so hard. And that could also be too, that he is a, you know, starving artist, you know, following his dream or whatever. Well, you following your dream, and playing, you know, for $50 a night at the club and wherever place ain't putting no food on this table and it ain't putting no, um, you know, no clothes on anybody's back. And so you out yeah, there exactly. your dream, I got to go take shady deals from serpents and lodges to be putting food on the table, you know, and mm-hmm. that could come back, you know, later on. It's like, you know, I had to do what I had to do because you was out chasing your foolish dream, you know, in your 40s with your soul patch. So, um <laughs> you know, I had to do what I had to do to take care of this family. So I kind of mm-hmm. wonder if that'll come back to, um, yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to be in jail. That'll be good. Unless, yeah, yeah. he won't be in jail. That's, that's, that's helpful. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. See, we were able to get through both episodes in under Woo! 90 minutes. I know, man. We were pushing through it a lot more than, uh, not quicker than I normally would, but uh, we had to get them in. I just saw on somewhere that there's going to be one more episode next week, and then the show's taking a three-week hiatus. Uh, so it's Ooh. episode seven, and then it won't be back until the 30th of March. Um, so, <gasps> we'll, yeah, I know, right? So we'll get one more in, and then we'll have the hiatus, our little hiatus as well, and then we'll come back with it from there. So, um, again, if you like this podcast, you can find it on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, any of your favorite uh, streaming uh, podcast apps. Um, you can find the producer of this podcast, at Brothers Comics, on Twitter, uh, C. Talene, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at C. Talene, C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N. And Cicely, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Skeskly. That's S-K-E-S-K-A-L-I. Excellent. And uh, you can find this podcast, uh, like I said, on all those streaming apps. Um, you can find uh, anything for Brothers Comics uh, on Twitter and Facebook at Brothers Comics, on uh, Tumblr, on, uh, what's that thing, Instagram, that's Children News. You can find us on Instagram as well. I think I have a Snapchat, too, but I don't know how it works. And, um, <laughs> I'm old. And, um, 
Uh, so, yeah, so definitely share, um, subscribe, um, share it with your friends. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, y'all, this, I mean, y'all, y'all wouldn't know this or whatever, but it's one of our, our highest listened to um, podcasts. The, the five of them that I wind up doing and producing, this is one of the highest ones that we get people to listen to. So bravo to you guys because I know it's wow. not Yeah, so thank you. I think um, – one of them cracked triple digits the other day, so I was just like, wow. That's wow. Really awesome. I know. I was really surprised. Um, not surprised. I was really like, hey, that's really awesome. So it's y'all. It has nothing to do with me, I assure you. So thank it's you. It's my mother. My mother My mother listens to the first three minutes and says, I don't know what you were talking about, but you sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, too. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Well, that's funny because my brother, who doesn't, who I podcast with on two different podcasts, who never listens to any of the podcasts that we do, he's like, "I'm not watching that show. I just listen to you talk about it." I'm like, "Hey, great, man. That's that's what I do with Game of Thrones. I, I started watching Game of Thrones, but that's what I used to do with Game of Thrones. He would podcast about it, and I would just listen to it because it's not really something that I was into. <laughs> but I am now watching it, so uh, so that's great. So yeah, so again, subscribe, listen, leave a review, all of those things, um, and we do appreciate it. So uh, we will see y'all next week for a regular-sized episode of Pretty Little Riverdale Podcast. I am the producer of this podcast, and I am going to sign off. Scassily, uh, why don't you sign off first? Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be complicated. Cita Lee, go ahead and sign off. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. Awesome. All right, guys, take it easy. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.